Hi, and welcome to Religion and Story. This is a bi-weekly podcast where we discuss anything and everything, but always from a Christian perspective. This is our third podcast, and we are going to follow up on our last podcast where we discuss choosing a Christian college. Today we're going to be talking about the spiritual life uh, that is present on these different colleges, uh, college campuses, and those things that might affect how the spiritual life is formed. I have Stephen and Daniel with me. And Daniel, since you're actually a graduate uh, with a degree in Bible, why don't you start us off with uh, talking about how professors shape the spiritual life on those Christian campuses? Yeah, um, so I think that, again, it's be, it's important to start by saying that there is a division there. Uh being a Bible major, I have had opportunity to talk to plenty of professors, and a lot of them, not all of them, but a lot of them will explicitly express that they do not view themselves as the campus ministers for their university. In fact, they have an academic job. They are there to teach college courses, and they have academic interests, maybe on, on, on the side or for their school. And so they are not trying um, deliberately to influence the spiritual life of the university. With that said, I think that there's reason enough to believe that they, they do. And I think, Michael, you had some points on that. Right. So I think that because Bible professors at most of the Christian colleges are teaching a required class. Now, uh, the lens I am seeing this through is Harding University, where I went, and at Harding, uh, every student is required to take one Bible class every semester. Whether you're in accounting, biology, or even a Bible major, it is required that you take at least that one class. And as is the case with any group of people, there is a conversation that goes on where there are things that come up during the year where you need to reflect on the news of the day or different things going on in your life. And because those Bible professors are constants uh, across the universities and the ones who have the most presence in many of the students' lives, they are specially situated to facilitate those conversations and whether they like it or not, they end up shaping the way that the university reflects on those important life uh, topics. Uh, I, I know that Bible professors do have a big impact on students. Uh, and there are a lot of students that go to the university not for its spiritual purposes. A lot of them are there just as scholarship athletes. Uh, but for the ones that we're focusing on who are there uh, to gain a spiritual influence, I do think that the campus ministry, uh, as far as um, people that are going to church together, chapel service, I think is a big uh, thing that is influencing because it's daily. Right. It's a daily thing, and the worship is... Uh, um, you're going to worship like those around you a lot of times. Um, and if uh, you came into school one way, you may leave it a different way. Uh, a few other points on Bible faculty, and y'all can respond to this if y'all want. Uh, one, there's the influence, because we're going to talk about p school policies later and how mm -hmm. that influences the spiritual life. Well, those making the school policies are often administrators who perhaps once were Bible faculty in fact, uh, Harding, where me and Michael went, presently the 
president of the university was at one point the dean of the College of Bible. Um, and another thing to say is, I, I mentioned there at the beginning that not all professors feel the same way about their role as a Bible professor. A lot of them think this is an academic job. A lot of them think this is a ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they see themselves on the same plane as a preacher or something of that sort. And a lot of students will go to professors for spiritual guidance. But one of the ironies here is that if you're a Bible faculty member, in order to teach your subject, you're probably best situated at being at a Christian university. So you're wanting to be an academic in that setting. The irony is that if you're an accounting professor or a biology professor or go down your list of secular majors, they could be at any university. They could be at a state school, but they choose to be at a Christian school. And that's one of the reasons they see it as a ministry, because... uh, their same job is being done in a lot of different places, but they choose to do it in a Christian way. And that's why it's important that if you're a non-Bible major, just for anyone, that they see all faculty as part of that kingdom work that's being done, while at the same time getting a great academic uh, training. So uh, what is the question that we're trying to tackle here? We're trying to figure out if you're going to send your kid to a Christian school, at what point does the worldview of a Bible faculty, uh, whether it uh, goes to the conservative end of the spectrum or the liberal end of the spectrum, um, when do you need to start asking questions on how much do you want your kid to be exposed to that? I think it is very important for parents, uh, for churches, congregations that are playing a role in where their uh youth group ends up going to college, to, to be aware of, of the teachings that are coming out of different universities. That's why lectureships are so important. I would encourage any uh, congregation uh, to be inviting uh, different Christian school faculty to come preach uh, at their congregation just so that they can get better acquainted uh, with some of the people that are there. Um, knowing that uh, when a young student, a uh, young man or woman, goes off to college, their theology for the rest of their life, while it's not controlled by the Bible faculty, it will be greatly influenced. And uh, we should not be naive that they have a lot of authority uh, on those matters. Okay, so um, we invite... Uh, a professor or somebody involved in a, a Bible faculty from a university to come preach at our local congregation. Sure. Um, and we make friends with them. It's all fine and dandy. But what are some questions that we need to be asking or um, basically if you were interviewing this person to be a Bible faculty uh, teacher at your university that you made, what are some of the things that you would think would be important for them to, you know, answer according to your beliefs uh, and what are some maybe red flags that um, a a professor might take a side on that would be a warning to you that maybe this isn't the best uh, what are some common ones anybody well uh, okay so that's obviously going to be different for each person so if we're thinking in the mind of parents sending their children off to school they're probably going to want to align it most with what they believe. Um, If you're asking me personally, um, I probably am a little bit um, 
more liberal than y'all on this, and I would say the qualifications are 1 Corinthians 15, things of first importance. Uh, Jesus died, was buried, and raised. Um, it's the Son of God. And those are really my criteria after that. Um, it's every man's game. Um, I think one that is starting to be more prevalent is uh, where do uh, the Bible faculty take uh, issue or their side on creation, uh, creationism and things with uh, um, uh, old earth versus new earth, things like that. That is a very hot topic, and a lot of professors don't even deal with that in their teaching. So what do you think? Uh, well, I just want to say, um, as a graduate from Harding's Bible, and Harding is probably on the more conservative side, uh, I would imagine, as a, as a university as a whole, um, I would go ahead and say that probably most Bible faculty in our affiliation are going to take the liberal stance on that, though the university as a whole may take a conservative stance. We need to, we need to do our research on this creation uh, topic before we get too much into it. I, to answer your question on on the questions that I would ask them. You have your very, your basics, which I think Daniel was mentioning with his 1 Corinthians 15. You know, it's the, hard to find somebody that's going to disagree with those. Exactly. What are, what are some other ones? I, th- I think you, you'll find it hard to disagree there. But because this is a, uh, a Church of Christ university that we're talking about, or if you were wanting to go to a Baptist university, n- name your different Christian group, you're wanting to know... Um, do the beliefs, uh, the teachings of this faculty adhere to what our Christian group would put forward? Not in a sectarian way where they're trying to cause division, but in the same way, not a denominational way where they're trying to say that everything's okay. Is there distinctives that need to be taught? Are those important enough to be taught? And will you uh, will you guide my my child, this young man or woman, in such a way to where they won't be harassed uh, on on one side, but at the same time they won't be so close-minded as to con- not consider anything on the other side. Is that a good balance? Yeah, I think that's good. Well, um, I brought up the creation uh, thing, and uh, I would have a problem sending my kid to a, uh, a university or just to be mentored by somebody that does not believe that uh, the creation account is a literal uh, event. Um, I feel like I've at least done my uh, due diligence mm-hmm. uh, re- regarding the the subject or the topic, um, and I think that the Bible speaks and is very clear that it is. And um, I was kind of shocked to hear you guys say that um, the professors would not... Yeah. Be in line with that. But, um, <laughs> I think this certainly is an important issue, but we're going to have to push this off to another week on this specific thing, especially with Bible faculty. And this is a thing that we could talk all day about because Bible faculty are the ones uh, espousing very concrete doctrines and beliefs, and they're the ones teaching things that we can most easily talk about. But we had our, we need to... So, yeah, the I guess the other side to it is is school policies and so like we said a lot of the administrators are uh, can be uh, former bible faculty but they've at least uh, more than off uh, more often than not had a, a background in their education coming from christian university themselves and so school policies what are some 
uh, I guess, do's and don'ts of uh, sending your kid to a certain place that has what policy? Sure. So, um, and this is actually a non-Church of Christ reference. I think what is known as the most conservative school in the United States is Bob Jones University, where there is actually, you know, enforced uh, mentoring groups. There's very strict curfews, visiting. um, But we should remember that that's actually not too uncommon if we go too far back in history and uh, where all, all of us spend a little bit of time, but Daniel and I graduated from Harding. There is still, you know, at most Christian universities, you'll you'll find separate uh, housing for men and women, uh, perhaps limited visiting hours, curfew. Uh, some some universities have it for just you know freshmen, sophomores, maybe juniors, uh, and some have it for all four years if you're still living in on-campus housing. Um, dress code issues. Uh, simple issues of modesty are there, and then there's also drinking policy. Uh, which I would say is, in some ways reflects the character of, of a university and the way they're trying to be perceived by the world. My brothers and I are probably most interested by the Bible faculty discussion, but I think probably most uh, prospective students are most interested by this question. So I know uh, that a lot of people, they'll look at schools uh, and they'll see that they have a rule against, for instance, wearing shorts to class. And that is a big thing for a lot of people. Um, And there's obviously rules about drinking, and people hold pretty strong opinions on, should I be allowed to drink in college? And so this is an important issue for a lot of people. And I I think that the drinking issue also gives you a tangent to the the issue of uh, off-campus housing in a lot of school. I'm, I'm trying to think of how... Uh, common it is to be able to live off campus on, at certain Christian universities, and you know there's a few. Uh, you know you got to get a doctor's note or something that says you ha- you're recovering some deadly disease to be able to <laughs> not live on campus. That's how hard it is at some schools. Some of them they don't care as long as your parents say it's okay. Um, so yeah. so I, I think there's a question. We could spend time on each of these issues and have have a whole different conversation on each one. Let's say, though, that I'm a parent and I'm wanting to have a conversation with my child about how these rules should affect their college decision. I would say it's probably safe to say that most parents are more conservative than their own children on this issue, that the children want to have more freedom, and the parents understand the value of for lack of a better term, the restrictions that the rules put on them. How exactly uh, does that conversation go? go? What do the parents have to say about these rules? Uh, I just want to say that Patton Oswalt, one of my favorite theologians and comedians... You just totally discredited the podcast. (laughs) Um, he, He likes to make the joke that some parents aren't looking for safety for their... It's not... Uh, child versus parent that the parent actually wants the child to go and experience things sure, though they sure. may hide that for oh, they're, their they're, own. they're pushing them out with being an overbearing parent yeah I get what you're saying um, so I think the, the last topic uh, that we want to hit on before um, we wrap up the podcast is chapel services uh, did we what are some of the things as far as worship that is put out in front of uh, the student on a daily basis and how can that affect them? I, I think just the most obvious point is that 
I'm biased, but I believe this is a very good bias to have. I think chapel is a wonderful thing. Um, however, um, some students uh, don't see it that way because, I'm using air quotes here, it is forced on them. It, it, is, a required, it is a required activity. Um, I, I think that the positioning of chapel by the administration and by student leaders um, it's very important for them to show how chapel is a blessing and a way for us to worship God every day. And that represents the character of the university. Yeah, I, I like chapel myself, even though I will say I had to go uh, one semester past my four years. I went four and a half years. And that last semester, I had a real bad attitude about chapel. But in hindsight, I can always... Uh, Accept that it is a good thing. What caused your bad attitude? Um, because none of my friends were there. I'm uh, sitting there by myself. Perhaps chapel, as all worship, is in some way a social experience. So yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I do want to say that this goes back to what Michael is asking earlier that we never answered. <laughs> that uh, the parents looking for what's good at a university. I think chapel helps a lot by having something that is going to make their student do something every day. Um, despite all their other activities they may be involved in. Yeah, I mean, I guess the school is acting as a parent in that sense, is what, which is what you want in a school. They want to, You want them to take care of your kids, and uh, the kid may be throwing a fit about uh, doing it, but hopefully in the end uh, they'll you know, come out a better person for, from the experience. And, you know, it's going to be different with every kid. I'll say that uh, from my experience, I did like chapel at some schools I went to, and I didn't like it at a few others. I did like it at uh, Oklahoma Christian for the reason that it, I think it was at 11.15 when I went <laughs> oh. there, and so you didn't have to like wake up and go to chapel at 9 a.m., which for college kids, that's that's early. Um, if you had an 8 a.m. class, some of your friends would tell you you're insane. Uh, another thing that I guess was a pro and con that I felt uh, a little upset that some schools had a chapel committee and I would be sitting, you know, in the audience. I'm like, I would like to be helping out with this, but you don't have the opportunity to. I mean, at Harding, it's a huge school. You can't have every guy there participating. I, I was on the chapel committee and <laughs> we didn't have any power. <laughs> oh, well, apparently I, Michael had power. Well, and uh, just to our audience uh, that might not know us as well, I, I served as student body president at Harding University, so I'm a little biased to- towards Harding. I, I enjoyed it. Where and, can I file a complaint? <laughs> <laughs> and I, I would say that a lot of students don't know how much power they actually have because they're, uh, they don't think to offer their suggestions and often the student government who has a place on the on the chapel committee um, is really wanting feedback. And so, so I, I would just suggest that students letting their voice be heard, it might only be incremental change, but it is change nonetheless towards um, making the experience of chapel that much better, uh, letting them know your thoughts. And it's not to be a gripe session, but to let them know how they can better serve God. Yeah. Uh- if I may, to wrap it up, uh, I want to get your guy, you guys, uh, give me a recap of, Daniel, tell me what are the uh, things to look for when looking at a Bible fact- faculty of a school, which would make it you know, something better to send your kid to versus something you'd steer them away from? Uh, I would say you're looking for people who are grounded in the 
the foundations of our faith. And I said that was, uh, we looked at 1 Corinthians 15 for that, and there are other places, but grounded in certain uh, beliefs, and they are not going to uh, flow into other beliefs. Possibly someone that's not looking to set their own agenda. Michael, why don't you tell us about what are the school policies to uh, be aware of? And uh... So there's not a lot of variation here. Parents should be aware of the alcohol policies on the different Christian campuses. Uh, we could do a whole nother podcast where we dissect those, but being aware of what goes on. And then also uh, the way housing is set up specifically for Older students, will they have a chance to be off campus, which kind of allows them to transition smoothly into later life? Um, so b- being aware of how that is done, but also just uh, looking at um, whether students are encouraged to experience daily worship through chapel, which I know is a part of our third topic as well, right. but that's part of student policy. And, and so as far as chapel goes, you want, I think we haven't really gotten into too much of a scripture discussion here, and maybe we'll uh, try and strengthen that as a part of our podcast in the future, but I think scripturally we do see that uh, I would think it'd be better for a school to take it to a conservative standpoint when putting a chapel service. It's a worship to God, and you don't want to be doing something that would be a stumbling block for someone else. Uh, But yeah, uh, that's all we got for today, and we appreciate everyone that uh, listened to the podcast. If you want to visit our uh, website, our our blog at religionandstory.blogsport.com .blogspot.com Oh my goodness. That that is an error from our first podcast we had to take out. Uh, Religionandstory.blogspot.com If you want to give us any Twitter follow uh, back, uh, you can shoot me a tweet at Stephen underscore Crouch and I can answer questions for the rest of these uh, guys here. But thanks. That's all we got for today. See you next time.